Hey everyone. Before we get into tonight's story, which I think you're gonna enjoy, by the way, I wanted to quickly mention a no-sleep author you are all probably familiar with, Justin Tutts, in his first novel, Magrath. And this isn't a sponsored ad or anything, just a shout-out. I've narrated many of his stories in the past, which are some of my favorites, and so if you like those, I think you'll like this book. Here's the brief description on the Amazon page. Justin Tutt's debut novel follows Jack Lewis, a private investigator that receives a phone call begging for his help in a town he swore he would never return to. Upon arriving at the gruesome scene of the crime, he figures out how incompetent the local police force has proven to be and understands why he was called in. However, as he works the case and discovers more about the missing and murdered citizens, he begins to wonder if the case is somehow tied up with his past in the night he left Magrath behind. So that was the end of the blurb. I'll leave a link to his book in the description for you guys to check out. And now, without further ado, I hope you all enjoy tonight's story by Isaac Ashley. Clancy Pasta presents Eyes on Me, written by Isaac Ashley. A few days ago, my wife Krista burst into the den full of joy as I was reading. She slapped my book down with no regard for me, and before I could say anything in protest, I was being yanked out of my seat. Monroe said her first word, she shouted, pulling me to our 11-month-old daughter's room. When we entered, Monroe was standing in her crib, idly chewing on the side of the railing. Krista lifted her and faced her towards me. Go on, baby, she exclaimed. Say to daddy what you said to me. After a couple seconds of silence, my daughter looked me in the eyes and smiled shyly. I returned it reluctantly and fought the urge to look away. Followed, she said quietly with the same smile. My heart sank, and the first instinct to hit me was definitely not to smile, but with everything I could muster, I forced the biggest one possible and hugged my wife and daughter. Followed, said Krista. Where do you think she heard it? It's an odd word for a baby to fixate on, but how cool. Benton? I realized I had been hugging without saying anything a bit too long and let go. I don't know, I said smiling at her, but I'm proud of our girl. The rest of the evening, my wife was in a great mood. I returned to the den and tried to continue reading, but could hardly pay attention. I wanted nothing more than to join in her happiness, but I just couldn't. I suppose you're a bit confused as to why my daughter's first word didn't have a similar effect on me. To explain that, I need to take you back to when my daughter was only three and a half weeks old. That was when her actual first words were spoken. To this day, I have never mentioned this to Krista, as I don't even know if she'd believe me. It happened in our first house we moved into as a married couple. A house we rented from an old friend of hers. Apparently, her parents had lived there at some point, but she claimed it was not her childhood home. A bit odd, but whatever the case, we needed a place quick and found ourselves there when we had Monroe. One night, Krista was dozing on the couch. I looked over and saw Monroe laying next to her, still wide awake staring at the TV screen. I quickly walked over and tried to pick her up, but my wife snapped awake. I'm fine, she said. I can put her to bed. I snickered. Well, she's still not asleep, so she's gonna need to be rocked. Can you stay awake long enough for that? Krista looked up at me, and her shoulders slumped with a sigh. I guess not. 
Being a new mom, she insisted on doing everything for Monroe and overseeing when I tried to take charge. She was a wonderful mother, no doubt, but she was starting to get worn out. Let me take her up to her room and rock her to sleep. You head on to bed. To my surprise, I was able to pick my daughter up with little to no protest. Krista started to move, but then laid her head back down. Just come get me when she's asleep, she muttered, already dozing back off. I'm so comfy. I giggled quietly and started to make my way upstairs. Monroe rested her head on my shoulder, which generally meant it wouldn't be a long rock. I shut the lights off upon entry and sat into the chair after pulling a small blanket over her back. The only sound in the room besides the creak of the chair was the noise emitting from the speaker we had set up. I rocked my daughter to the sound of crashing waves and waited patiently for her to fall asleep. As I try to recall, this is where time gets a bit strange. I've never been a fan of the dark, but something felt a bit different. The moonlight illuminating from the window wasn't providing much comfort. The waves had lost their usual calming nature. Something about them seemed dangerous. I tried focusing on the rhythmic creaking of the rocking chair, but I found that to be unsettling as well. It reminded me of the sound of the floor creaking, as if listening for someone growing closer to you. Something was definitely different about this night, and that thought entered my head about half a second before it all got worse. I'm sure you've had times where you thought something was off, but then it all turned out okay. You have no idea how much I wish that had been the case. The creaking of the chair changed. That was the first thing. It took a minute to realize that it actually was coming from the hardwood floor behind me, and not my imagination. I brought the rocking to a slow stop and strained my hearing. The wave seemed to be miles away, but the creak that happened in the stillness of that room was just a couple feet behind me. My mind started to race. I knew if someone had broken in, I had to act fast, but with Monroe in arms, I was limited to what I could do. Just then, another sound joined the waves. A low rumble started to build, like when you see a video of an explosion taken from a few towns over. My ears popped, and the rumble filled the room to the point it almost felt as if the house was shaking. At this point, it felt like whoever was behind me was looming over me, about to make a move. What? What? It was all I could say. I could barely hear my own voice. Monroe abruptly shot her head up. I looked to her, and the moonlight lit up the left side of her face. How... how is she holding herself up? I thought. She stared daggers into my eyes, and I expected her to start crying loudly, damn near waking the whole neighborhood. However, something much more bizarre happened. Eyes on me. Don't look behind you. The voice of a young woman, possibly in her late teens, came from my daughter's mouth. I saw her mouth move with the words, and her head even shook in me a bit to further her warning. I know I saw it, but in that moment, I knew it couldn't have happened. The rumble cracked like muffled thunder, making my ears pop again as a loud ringing made its presence known. I could feel pressure on my right shoulder, as if someone had placed a hand there, but my gaze had locked onto Monroe. I could see her mouth moving rapidly, but couldn't hear her. The rumble, the ringing, and even the distant sound of the waves drowned everything out. I continued looking on, and after a few moments, 
the same voice could be heard from Monroe again. It moved in rhythm with her lips and a desperate whisper growing louder as time went on. Eyes on me, 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 eyes on me. Once the ringing faded, I could hear her just fine. She repeated the phrase over and over again without breaking eye contact or even blinking. The figure behind me was breathing into my ear now. It wasn't saying anything, but I knew it wanted me to look. I have no idea how long this went on for, but as quick as it happened, it left. All the air seemed to leave the room in a vacuum. The sound of the waves came rushing back, and the floor creaked one last time as if something was quickly lifted upward. Monroe let out a gasp, and her head fell back to my shoulder. Her breathing slowly returned to normal against the palm of my hand on her back. I sat for a few minutes listening to the sound of waves that had gone back to normal. I stopped rocking completely, going over what just happened in my head. I slowly raised up, grasping Monroe firmly, and looked over to her crib. Pondering for a moment, I just stood there not knowing what to do while my daughter slept as I held her. No part of me wanted to turn around even though I sensed nothing else in the room, and I didn't feel it safe to leave Monroe in there. I left the room and slowly walked downstairs. Krista was fast asleep where I left her, oblivious to the horrors that I had witnessed. I glanced at the clock to see only 35 minutes had passed, but it seemed I had been in that room for an eternity. I took some blankets and pillows to make a makeshift bed next to Krista for Monroe and laid her down gently. Her head rested back firmly, and she continued to breathe lightly as she slept on. I sat on the opposite end of the couch and looked forward. I tried to see what was on the TV, but my mind was a light year away. Tears slowly rolled down my face, but I didn't feel like crying. It was as if my body was trying to react accordingly, but my mind was in a world of its own. Eventually, an idea hit me. The camera. I reached for my phone and opened the app for the camera we keep in Monroe's room. I went to open the viewing mode, but hesitated for only a moment. Curiosity won out in the end. I rolled the recording back to roughly two minutes after I sat down. The moon illuminated the area a few feet in front of me, including the left side of Monroe, but behind me was pitch black. There was a small nightlight by the crib, but it only lit up the base of where she usually slept, nothing more. I had the sound all the way up, but when I saw Monroe raise up, it cut to a hushed static. Fuck, I whispered. I wiped some sweat from my forehead and continued watching. I was fixated on my own face reflecting horror and my own daughter for a majority, but right before Monroe laid her head back down, something else caught my eye. I hit rewind and turned the brightness all the way up. After zooming a bit closer to my shoulder, I could make out a thin hand resting there. It was darkened to a deep purple, which made it hard to see, but it was definitely there. My god, it was all I could manage. The nails on the hand were incredibly long and seemed to enter my field of vision, but I don't remember seeing anything like it. I scrolled down to where the moonlight hit the floor, and with the brightness up, I could see just barely beyond it. I really wish I didn't. The hand was bad enough. Hell, what all had happened was, 
But this was a new kind of fear. A kind of fear where you're so scared you can't even react. I just held the phone out in my trembling hand and questioned everything I knew. When I scrolled down, I could just barely make out a leg. The other one became more easy to see as it got closer to the moonlight. Then on the floor, where light meets the surface, were two enormous hooves and the place where feet should be. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash clancypastastore. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers. <laughs>